Now more than ever, people are focused on getting and staying healthy. Much more than primary care, PartnerMD provides affordable, individualized concierge care to help you make the most of your health without all the hassles of traditional health care. With highly trained physicians, medically advanced testing, and virtually no waiting, PartnerMD is better health care for an even better you. Visit PartnerMD.com to learn more. Hi, how can I help you today? As a McDonald's employee, you say those words quite often. But how about when you need help, like consulting a doctor? Hi, how can I help you today? When you work for a McDonald's restaurant, we take care of you like family. With free virtual doctor's visits, including getting prescriptions and refills for you and everyone in your family. Apply today at careers.mcdonalds.com and find out more. The benefits described herein are only available at participating restaurants. What went down this past weekend, those were a lot of uh, fighter fights that were a little bit older. So what went down this past weekend this is what I was more tuned to because I was able to check out a good majority of this. Um, now, that Friday, the 19th of July, I was there live at the MGM National Harbor. Of course, it was uh, headlining, or it was a top rank car headlined by Teofimo Lopez as he was taking on Masayoshi Nakatani. Uh, I still have to put the article up or, or my coverage up on the 86 Boxing website. Um, so be sure to check that out. I'll try to get it out, get that out there today, 86boxing.com. But uh, Teofimo Lopez, of course, this guy puts on a show. He, uh, he gets a lot of fans clamoring, or he has gotten a lot of fan clamor because he's just an exciting fighter to watch. Now, Nakatani, he was relatively unknown coming out of Japan. And he's a huge uh, guy for lightweight at 135 pounds. He's about six feet, six feet tall. Um, and every bit of that six feet showed uh, when they were matched up or when he was standing next to Teofimo Lopez. Now, Lopez did an excellent job in this fight uh, to sort of uh, try and control the range and make it fall under the narrative that he wanted. It was a tough fight for him. He was ultimately able to pick up a unanimous decision, which I think was fair. There are some people that may have thought the fight was closer than it was. Seeing it live, and I thought that Teofimo uh, Lopez had to win at least eight to nine of the rounds, but some people may have thought it had been closer. I thought it was very competitive. I thought Nakatani's uh, length was troubling at first. He was he was using his jab early on, but I think one of his ultimate downfalls was he's all but he all but neglected it uh, a little bit later in the fight. But he found moments with his uh, straight right as well. Um, but ultimately, it was a good fight, good showing for Teofimo Lopez. He didn't get the knockout which people expect every time, uh, but. I thought that he showed he can be in with a tall, rangy fighter, an unknown fighter, an unknown commodity who you probably don't know what to expect from. And he did what he had to do when he was landing some bombs on Nakatani, who has to have one of the toughest chins for the division because he was eating a lot of those shots and he was still just walking forward, with the same expression on his face. Yeah, Teofimo fought off the back foot for the majority of the fight, but I think he did a good job with his timing because his left and right hooks were on point, and he was able to land those well. 
Now, Teofimo likely moves on to take on uh, Richard Comey for the IBF lightweight title in what should be an interesting and exciting fight. I favor Teofimo Lopez in that fight. I think that it will be exciting because Richard Comey, he's willing to take risks, which it means that he's susceptible to being open, and I think that will play in Teofimo Lopez's hands. I mentioned that in my last podcast, podcast episode, I believe, but ultimately we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I favor Teofimo Lopez in that fight, and hopefully we get that sooner rather than later. Uh, another thing I want to say, uh, uh, send out prayers to Maxime Dadashev. He took on Subriel, Subriel Matias. It was for a 140-pound uh, uh, IDF title eliminator. It was an action-packed back-and-forth back fight. And ultimately, it was stopped in the 12th round, before the start of the 12th round. Buddy McGurk stepped in and stopped it on Dadashev's behalf, which was a great move. So Matthias, he is now in line for an IBF title shot, depending on how everything works out. Uh, Subriel, exciting-looking fighter. So this bumped him up to 14-0, and 14 knockouts. So through accumulation, it seems that he he's a very real fighter, a very real deal. And he was gained throughout the entirety of the fight. Uh, willing to put himself out there on the line during exchanges, hit that second gear. Dadashev, he was a good boxer as well, and he was banging back. This was probably the fight of the card here. Um, and ultimately, yeah, one of the better fights of the 2019 campaign overall. Now, the sustained back and forth, I guess that ultimately is what kind of led to Dadashev being injured. So, for those that don't know, he ended up having to, he ended up collapsing like in the back. Um, he had to be helped out of the ring. He was vomiting during that time, throwing up. Uh, and this was prior to even leaving the, leaving, heading to the back area. He ultimately collapsed and he ended up having to get surgery, brain surgery to reduce the swelling on his brain. So this has all transpired over this weekend this past weekend so this is still a very active thing so much respect and prayers to his family hopefully he recovers well that goes to show that the sport of boxing is not a game thankfully buddy mcgirt called off the fight he was practically begging uh to let him stop the fight dadashev still wanted to go out there and that could have been deadly had he done so so this goes to show that Regardless of fans booing, so on and so forth, fighters have to be protected. And it's definitely a good thing when the corner steps in before, say, a referee or doctor has to stop the fight because no one knows their fighter better than the corner. So that's why it's a big thing in the corners being able to stop their fighter because I know we've all seen cases where fighters were in and they were in the deep ends of rounds and such or deep ends of a fight and they hadn't been competitive the entire fight and they were taking shots but it was never stopped as though that opportunity was going to come about and it has in situations in the past but for a sustained amount of time taking those blows it's not good so big shout out to Buddy McGirt for stopping it he's one of the best trainers in the sport and this is one of the reasons why he protects his fighters he knows his fighters 
and that's what you want in a trainer. So again, Matthias, uh, he picked up a great victory and uh, that's sort of being overshadowed by the, what happened to Dadashev, but he should move on, uh, do good things there at uh, 140 pounds, I believe is what it was. Uh, so we'll see, but yes, prayers up for Dadashev. Now, yesterday, the big event, of course, was Manny Pacquiao taking on Keith one-time Thurman, welterweight title fight. The winner, of course, was going to be the WBA super welterweight champion. There are a ton of different categories and types of belts out there. But anyway, um, man, it was a damn good fight. I think it ultimately lived up more to the hype that it had received because these two fighters put it on the line. A 40-year-old Pacquiao against 30-year-old Keith Thurman. Uh, one fight removed from a long layoff. Uh, man, it was it was action-packed. Uh, Manny Pacquiao looked great. He dropped Thurman in the first round. Uh, it was a right hook as Thurman was uh, stepping back with his hands down. Thurman had, had a smile on his face. He had to look like, yeah, you caught me because he knew that he had messed up in that moment. And this was after some pretty big exchanges from them early on in that round. Uh, and then as the fight wore on, it was very competitive. Manny Pacquiao, of course, using his speed and footwork, uh, he was able to win the majority of the early and middle rounds. During the latter part of the middle rounds, Keith Thurman's found success. He was able to slow the pace a bit, and he started landing some good shots on Pacquiao. But in the championship rounds, 11th and 12th, Pacquiao again came on and he was able to tap up Thurman. Uh, at one point in the middle of the fight, I forget which round, Pacquiao hurt Thurman to the body. And as we all know, Thurman has been susceptible to a good body shot, uh, to being hurt by a good body shot. And like it, like in the Colazo fight and others, uh, he was really feeling it and Pacquiao tried to go in on him. But Thurman showed a lot of resiliency and he showed his worth. Uh, you know, he was out for a long period of time. So for him to be able to come back and still stay in the game, fight at this level is a big thing. Uh, but ultimately, Manny Pacquiao showed that even at 40 years of age, he is still one of the best fighters in the world. He is one of the best welterweights in the world, arguably the best, because his resume definitely is better than anyone at welterweight. Um, It'll be interesting to see how he looks with the likes of an Errol Spence or a Terrence Crawford, but I think he had a great showing. And we'll see what's next for him. Manny Pacquiao mentioned that he would fight sometime next year because he was questioned as to would he, would he fight this year, but he said that he's going to go back to the Philippines. He has a lot of work to do there, but sometime early next year, we'll expect to see Manny Pacquiao again against whom may be the winner of Errol Spence versus Sean Porter. So we'll see. But it was ultimately a good fight. I recommend definitely checking it out. Back and forth sustained action is definitely in the running for a fight of the year. And we'll see what transpires when those awards are handed out virtually and figuratively. Uh, figuratively um, 86 bucks and we may do something. Be sure to check out the website. We'll see. <laughs> but um Good fight, good pay-per-view. The pay-per-view card in itself overall was a damn good card. Um, also on that card, we saw uh, Ordenis Ugas take on 
uh, Omar Figueroa in what was uh, a bizarre showing in a sense by Figueroa because he doesn't have a trainer and so in between rounds basically his cut man was talking to him about different things but no real instructions or such so Figueroa essentially trains himself but anyway Ordenis Ugas was able to pick up a unanimous decision victory. It was a dominant victory for him. Ugas is a very sharp, very, very skilled uh, welterweight. Um, and I think that ultimately, that was too much for Figueroa, who essentially his game was on the inside. So there was a lot of tying up and such, a lot of wrestling around. A point had to be deducted from Ugas by uh, referee Russell Mora, I think it is, but I don't agree with the uh, point being taken because I think a lot of what was transpiring on the inside was really due to the fact that Figueroa was spending pretty much the majority of the fight leaning in on Ugas. And Ugas was trying to do what he could do to get range in order to land his shots, which ultimately, besides that point or besides that fact or situation, he was able to do damage. He was snapping Omar Figueroa's head back with a ton of shots. He probably could have realistically been stopped earlier and not have gone the distance because of the fact that Figueroa was never really competitive. He never hurt Ugas. Ugas certainly hurt him. Uh, Figueroa had a very good chin. He was knocked down in the, I think it was the first round. Um, uh, but yeah, it was probably not the most glamorous fight as far as visuals. Uh, if you watch the fight, you'll see. But it was a, definitely a very good display by Ordenis Ugas in terms of being able to put his punches together to nullify Figueroa's game completely. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Ugas. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Ugas versus, say, Danny Garcia, you know, sitting out there. And I think that would be a good test to see where Ugas is coming off of uh, this victory after the loss to Sean Porter. It was a close and good fight. So Danny Garcia is interested in looking for a partner. Why not? Ugas is another top guy right out there. Um, and hopefully, you no know, Ugas will get another shot at a title sometime soon because I think he deserves it. He's, he's a game, competitive fighter, skilled fighter, and I, for one, definitely like watching him uh, apply his trade, one could say. But yeah, so that was there on the pay-per-view. This was, as I mentioned, a Fox pay-per-view um, so yeah, PBC, they've been doing a lot of pay-per-views as of late, but hey, at least they've been making it pretty competitive from an overall standpoint. Taking a look at the event, trying to remember the rest. Oh yeah, it's Louis Neary, he took on Juan Carlos Payano. This was for WBC Silver Bantamweight title. It was a fight that was competitive early on. Uh, Payano looked decent. Uh, Neary, who came into the fight, or came at the weigh-in, he was like a half a pound over, so he had to go back and lose that half a pound. I think he may have been slightly hampered by the fact that he had to work that off prior to the fight. Um, but Payano looked decent early on. He was able to control range in a sense, and Neary was essentially coming forward, but he wasn't really landing much. But... Ultimately, Neary was able to pull off a victory. It was, I believe, a six-round 
TKO or six round KO because he landed this sharp, nice uh, left uppercut to the body. And yeah, he hit Payano in the right spot. Payano had a delayed reaction and he was down for the count. But he hit him in the right spot. Uh, Payano was visibly wincing, hurting, and he wasn't getting up from that. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was laying there after uh, the count had been over as well, just trying to regain his breath and such because it was a damn good shot from Lewis Neary. Now, uh, we'll see what's next for Neary. A lot of the talk has been him taking gun. Uh, now, yeah, in way or the winner of the World Boxing Super Series tournament, which many think will be in way So the, the tournament at uh, 122, I believe it is, um, or 118. But I think that um, in way is going to win, and I think that him versus Neri will be a very good fight kind of be considered a super fight, uh, both undefeated fighters, Mexican versus Japanese fighter, um, my favorite in way, and we'll see what happens if that fight actually goes down, but uh, that's what I'll talk is, but you can't look past way versus Nonito Denier, and much respect to Denier. Um, also, this was a fight I still need to watch, but I've seen the results and I knew what the results probably were going to be well beforehand because of the fact that I, I didn't think Mike Lee had a chance against uh, Caleb Plant, but Caleb Plant got a second round knockout over, or was it third round? One second, it was, yeah, third round TK over. over. TKO over Mike Lee. You might know Mike Lee from Subway commercials. That's probably where you know him most. I think he went to Notre Dame or something like that. But um, this was for the IBA or IBFW, I mean, IBF World Super Middleweight title. Plant picked up in a win over uh, Jose Us Category. Uh, I think it was earlier this year. And that was a damn good fight as well. Plant was really tested just off of that fight alone. Plant was tested to a high degree, so Mike Lee wasn't going to stand a chance, and ultimately, Caleb Plant put on his display. Sweet hands is what they call him, so he showed why. Um, F.A. Ajagba, which is this heavyweight, he's a young heavyweight coming up, he's of Nigerian descent, big guy, you may famously know him from taking on a guy, I forget the name of the uh, opponent, but the opponent left the ring as soon as the fight started. Uh, it went viral there for a while when that happened. I think that was earlier this year, late last year, but he picked up a win. We'll see uh, what's next for him, but ultimately down the road, think of a Daniel Dubois fight along with uh, a Jogba, Dubois Ajagba. That would be a big clash later down the road. So that might be one of the fights of the future there. Um, Sergey Lipinets, he picked up a very good knockout win over Jair Inson, who was in on late notice in a sense. But um, Sergey Lipinets looked damn good. Hey, he's a very solid fighter, you know. Uh, he lost to Mikey Garcia, of course. But that was a competitive fight, and that was us first getting the chance to see the potential of Sergey Lipinets. He took a lot of bombs in that shot and showed that he has a great chin, and he was able to put in work of his own. He recently beat, um, essentially retired, Lamont Peterson in what was another good competitive fight. Uh, Peterson was actually winning 
for a mini couch on the scorecards prior to being stopped. So Sergey Lipinets is really coming into his own, and I think he's definitely a fighter to watch because I think he's going to continue to make noise. So shout out to Sergey Lipinets. He will continue to do his thing. Um, so yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about on that particular card. Then a couple other fights that I haven't seen per se, that I know the results and I know what went down. Um, Dillian White, of course, picked up a win over Oscar Rivas. It was a decision win, and what I heard was a competitive fight, a very competitive fight. I know that Dillian White was dropped in the fight. Um, Rivas, of course, beat Jennings uh, earlier this year in January, and, and he really came onto the scene and has come on into his own, and I think that from all intents and purposes, from what I've heard, uh, it was a very great showing for him, and he showed that he's definitely worthy of being in that top 10 slot, and he's a uh, heavyweight to watch. Uh, but Dillian White, of course, is the WBC mandatory. He's been looking for a fight with Deontay Wilder for at least two years at this point. Could be longer, and we'll see if that happens next because, of course, Deontay Wilder is supposed to be fighting uh, Luis Ortiz, and I'm sure he's going to want to take on the winner of or then after that, he's supposedly scheduled to fight Tyson Fury, and I'm sure he'll take, want to take on the winner of Ruiz Joshua. So just we'll see. But I think that Gillian White deserves a title shot, and hopefully he'll get that sometime later down the road. Um, Mikael Soro picked up a win. Who else? Derek Chisora, he had a freaking highlight reel knockout against uh, Arthur Spilka and I know there are videos out there on social media what round is the second round knockout that uh, Jared Shishora was able to gain and Spilka was up against the ropes and got clipped the referee wasn't able to step in on time and that was borderline brutal um but yeah hopefully Spilka is okay but I haven't seen that fight I will check that out um but yeah, just, you know, a lot of stuff going on. But yeah, I forgot to mention on the 13th, this was uh, weeks ago, um, Liam Williams, that's another guy at uh, Middleweight who I think is, or, or 154, I forget, but he's another guy where he's looking good as of late. He's been putting in work, and hopefully he gets to step up to take on one of the top guys here soon. I'd like to see him in against a Charlo or something of that nature, so we'll see. Uh, other than that, you know, it's 86 Boxing. Um, yesterday it took place in the uh, Palmer Park 4th reunion event. It's like Palmer Park Day, so uh, shout out to Candy Jacobs. So I'm wearing this shirt, of, shirt with her uh, father, Sugar Ray's former trainer, so RIP to him. This is an event on his behalf. It's a free show that they put on. So we were right across the street from the Sugar Ray Leonard Gym. Uh, it was a long day. Did the weigh-ins earlier that morning, then took it right over to the community center there to put on a good showing with a lot of people coming out to uh, check out the fights. It's a free event, as I mentioned, that uh, Katie Jacobs had put on. So shout out to her for that. I think it's a great thing. Uh, the WBC did provide some uh, sponsorship as well, which is a great thing. So shout out in that regard. But um, yeah, Palm Park Day. Hey, maybe if you're listening, want to see some good action, come to the next one. It's going down again next year. I think the intent is to keep it going. 
Um, but yeah, I had that going. Um, yeah, just a busy weekend. Gonna be uh, doing more boxing stuff this coming week. So we'll see what unfolds overall. Um, but anyway, 86boxing.com. Be sure to check that out. Of course, on the social media sites, 86boxing at 86boxing on. Boost your mood in New Jersey. Surprise yourself with new wonders. Stroll beaches and boardwalks. Discover places to dine and catch up with friends. See inspiring art, culture, and history, too. Savor sea breezes and explore all the treasures nature has waiting for you. Rise to the call of adventure or catch a wave into the ocean blue. Find it all at visitnj.org. When it comes to convenient and customizable control, Corteva AgriScience's proven cereal herbicides hit the bullseye. Yeah, like that. There are options with distinct chemistries, multiple modes of action, rotational flexibility, plus dependable agronomic support and more. Oh, nice shot. To find which cereal herbicide hits the mark for you, visit cerealherbicides.corteva.us. Okay, you can stop shooting arrows at me now. Commercial's over. Hey, that one almost hit me.